Hello, and welcome to a free preview of Greatest of All Talk. Okay, so I interrupt this kind of insane hypothetical situation that we're discussing right now with some very reality-based news. Are you sitting down for this? Are you t- yeah. Are you sitting? I'm you're, sitting. You're, I'm you're... sitting. I'm, I'm ready for a tasteful way to exit the Spurs-LeBron hypothetical, the same way okay. LeBron needs to tastefully exit LA, so I can't wait to hear what's next. Your butt's in the seat for this one, Andrew. I don't know if it's tasteful. The Milwaukee Bucks, as we're talking, just... Mm. Dot, dot, dot. Fired coach Adrian Griffin after 43 games. This guy's 30 and 13. They're the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. And yet, I'm guessing you're not all that surprised. Well, I'm not all that surprised because I saw a tweet come in as you were talking about LeBron there. And I was like, all right, so how are we going to work this in? Don't how are we going to transition? Come on. Yeah. Um, Stay focused. Stay locked I was getting into the pod, also. Yeah, so I... I mean, there's also the report that Doc Rivers is being rumored as the replacement in Milwaukee. So this is a lot to process. Um, I mean, what's your first reaction to this news? I I can't say it's shocking based on the last two months of the season. I mean, 30 and 13 is where the Bucks sit right now. And that has to be maybe the most successful team that's ever fired its coach midway through the season. But at the same time, if you've actually watched the Bucks, uh, it can't be all that surprising. So what's your read on it? Well, I think my first thought would be to tip my hat to the Bucks fans, including your buddy Ben Thompson, who have been all over this guy from day one saying he is just not ready for the job. He's not cut out to be the guy who's going to take the Bucks back over the top, which is a serious, serious task uh, when you're dealing with Giannis's prime and, and integrating Damian Lillard and trying to get him his first championship. Like you have to ace that coaching hire. And we had many signs along the way, um, even before we got to see what was on the court, that maybe they didn't ace that coaching hire, right? We got Terry Stotts leaving at the start of the season. We got um, the whole fiasco about are they going to play drop coverage? Are they going to do all this blitzing defense? As I mentioned at the time, it was an absolutely insane idea where Griffin is not taking into account his personnel. He just has his own philosophy that he wants to kind of, uh, you know, place on those guys. And they basically revolted and he had to stand down. He had to admit that he was wrong uh, very early in the season because it wasn't working. And, uh, you know, you look anytime a team drops from fourth in defense to 22nd in defense, some of that is going from Drew Holiday to Damian Lillard, but some of that is just not being good enough, not having enough buy-in. You know, you've got some defensive players on that team. They should not be a below-average defense. And I think, you know, even beyond that, though, it felt like there was some personality friction, uh, potentially, with some of the bigger and uh, most long-standing Bucks players uh, that was a little bit beneath the surface. Uh, and then on top of that, I also I just keep coming back to this idea that he was signaling for a two three defense with two fingers and three fingers. It's like, OK, <laughs> yeah. bro, come on. Like this is a base level competency issue. And so um, I guess that the Milwaukee Bucks said, let's try to give this guy half a season. Yeah. Let's see if there's any improvement in terms of how people are. Are they happy? Is everybody on the same page? Is this a conducive work environment? Those kinds of questions. And they got to halfway through the season and they said, look, this guy's not the guy. The players don't seem like they're completely bought in. There are potentially other people out there with more experience uh, who would be able to do a better job. And that essentially ownership and management gave the players 
the credit for the 30 and 13 record rather than Adrian Griffin and essentially saying, look, we're not good enough to win a championship with this guy as our coach. We've got to play better defense. And so we're going to move forward and, and hopefully try to find somebody who can do that. Um, this to me is kind of like the first really bad mark on John Horst's resume. I think he's done a pretty good job overall with what he's been given in that small market. You know, obviously he got the major gift with Giannis and being able mm-hmm. to kind of shepherd and steward his prime, but you know, to get a championship out of it, to get multiple Eastern Conference Finals runs out of it, to make a Lillard trade, like I think there's a lot that John Horst can be proud of there in Milwaukee, but this hiring feels like a miss, whether you want to blame ownership, management, the players for, you know, being in on Griffin. You know, ultimately the buck stops with the GM typically in those situations. And let's hope he doesn't compound a miss with another miss. I don't like this idea, Doc Rivers. Do you? Well, yeah, I mean, we can get to Doc momentarily. I would say this might be a credit to Horst because I think ownership was involved in the hiring. Giannis was central to the hiring process. If you believe the Bucks, who the second Adrian Griffin was hired, the Bucks started leaking all these stories and saying, well, this was Giannis's guy. And so I think Horst should take some blame for not being more assertive in that process. And ownership also bears some responsibility there. That's not how... Smart organizations make huge decisions like that. They don't just defer to the superstar and say, well, which guy do you like, Giannis? Um, and so I, I do think that is on the Bucks. But at the same time, I mean, we said, I said two weeks into the season, they should consider moving on. And yeah. will John Horse get a, a statue if he actually makes that move midseason? And now here we are, and, and I just looked up the, the quote from Giannis like a month ago where he comes out post game and says, we have to be better. We have to play better. We have to defend better. We have to trust one another better. We have to be coached better. Every single thing, everyone has to be better. It starts from the equipment manager. He has to wash our clothes better. So that quote went viral because he mentioned the equipment manager. It reminds me, a member of Celtics Twitter said, why is Giannis talking about his brother that way, having to wash the clothes better? Oh, so <laughs> shots at Thanasis. <laughs> uh, but I, what happened with that quote was Giannis said, we have to be coached better. And then he caught himself and didn't want to be seen as taking a direct shot at Adrian Griffin. And so then he says, every single thing, everybody has to be better. It starts from the equipment manager, the bench, the leaders of the team. And he goes on and on and on. But Giannis was not happy with Adrian Griffin. The players were not happy. Your theory is he goes to the equipment manager after giving this speech and it's like, bro, look, this isn't about you. This is about Griff. I just I didn't want to sell him out. So thank you for falling on this grenade for me. Is that what your interpretation is? That's exactly how I interpret it. And I think ultimately what happened here is Griffin, his schemes were not good. And we've been talking about that since the beginning of the season, the way they were pressuring the ball made no sense given their personnel, the transition defense is just egregiously bad. And as as successful as they are, when you just look at their record, I mean, like, 
they gave up 135 points to the Pistons this past weekend, which should be impossible. The Pistons, as a team, they, they remind me of that Charles Barkley quote where he was talking about DeAndre Jordan years ago. It was like, if you leave him alone in a gym overnight and tell him he can't dunk, he's going to come back with six points the next morning. Like, that's the Pistons. And somehow the Bucks allowed them to score 140 points this past weekend. And they've had these blowout losses where it's not just the scheme, it also looks like the nucleus and the veterans have quit on the coach. And they are too talented to be outright bad, but there's just been so many red flag losses. Like, I mean, they were just getting drilled by the Jazz a week or two back, and and then they got dominated by the Cavs without Giannis. And, And so I just feel like it had all been going sideways, And the bottom line is you look at the roster in Milwaukee, they have a two-year window. Beyond next season, nothing is guaranteed. It's this year and next year, and I'm glad that they're going to make a change, even if it's Doc Rivers, so we could get to Doc in a moment. Um, I'm glad they're going to give themselves the best chance possible or at least a better chance than they would have had with Adrian Griffin in one of the two make-or-break seasons with Dame close to his peak and Giannis very much at his peak still, and Middleton still. I mean, like the Middleton and Brooke Lopez are part of the story, too. I'm not sure how much longer those guys are going to be title-caliber role players, um, but I think they are now, and they just were nowhere near uh, fulfilling their potential or, or the potential that we were all excited about on the way into the season, and that's why we're here. Yeah, a couple of thoughts. A lot of a lot of great takes in there. First of all, it was the Pistons without Kate, right? So that makes it even worse because 135 without Kate is like 160 with Kate. You know? <laughs> Marcus <laughs> Sasser, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm looking at it right now. Alec Burks went nuts, and that should never happen in uh, 2024. So that's thought number one. Thought number two. I do like what you're saying here about Horace's decision in this moment. Everybody makes mistakes, and it's much easier to deny that you made a mistake, to cover your own butt, to try to buy time, to push a problem out into the future, than it is to take the grief of the entire NBA media by firing a guy three months into his first season and by basically just taking the L, right? Mm -hmm. So in much the same way that Griffin had to take the L on his defensive schemes after like five games because there was a player revolt, Horst has to take the L here. The Bucks have to take the L here in terms of public relations, but ultimately it's in service of the right decision. If you know the guy is not the right guy, do not prolong the agony because as you expertly pointed out, they don't have a lot of time here. This is not a runway situation, right? This is about who can do it right now um, and who can deliver big time results in the playoffs as opposed to, uh, you know, uh, learning on the job. They just don't have the opportunity for that. And I think I commend them for, you know, undoing a big loss over the summer, regardless of who you blame for it. Organization takes responsibility for that. You can't pass it on to a player. I never buy, uh, I never buy that. Now, you could make another mistake here, though, I think, if you hire Doc Rivers, because the idea of hiring Doc Rivers is, well, he's a championship coach. He's got credibility with players. He's got good communication skills because he's been around the NBA forever. He's going to have, you know, solid assistants or, you know, deputies you probably bring in um, who have been there and done that. 
Maybe. I mean, the recent Doc Rivers track record in the playoffs has not been great. And, you know, I asked you the question, if the Bucks could just rehire Budenholzer, would Bucks fans trade Griffin for Budenholzer despite how much they hated that guy in past playoff runs? And I think you had an immediate yes. You were like, definitely. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way about Doc Rivers. If they hire Doc Rivers from day one, I would think they should just fire him and hire Budenholzer again. Is the right answer here to just admit that they were completely wrong and bring back Coach Bud? What do you think? Well, all right. So let's power rank it. Bud, Terry Stotts, Doc Rivers. Rank those three as Bucks options. Wow, that's a good one. I mean, I, I would have been interested in Terry Stotts, actually. And it's kind of amazing who couldn't hang on. I do love that Joe Prunty gets to be the interim coach because this guy, I think, is going to set an NBA record for most interim stints. He's always yeah. there when there's blood on the walls. Joe Prunty's <laughs> the guy. He's the cleaner, man. The steady the hand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Give give um, him a week or two and, you know, let, let him work his magic. Add to the legend. And he, he was a Blazers assistant, real no-nonsense guy, but not like a hard-nosed. You know, he's got a friendly comportment. I understand why players would like him and respect him because he's an X and O's guy as well. Uh, he could be walking through your Whole Foods and you wouldn't even know he was an NBA coach. <laughs> you know, like you just have, would have no idea. And sometimes that could be a skill in and of itself. But it feels to me like Doc is a charisma hire, right? It's like, look, you know, we're going to overcorrect because we went for this young rising coach and Adrian Griffin who just didn't turn out. And so we're going to bring in a stable hand in Doc. I don't think Doc's been a very stable hand in these postseasons, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you look at Philly falling to pieces, the Clippers falling to pieces. Like, he didn't have the answers when they needed it. And so I guess if I was power ranking them, I'd probably go one, Coach Bud, two, Terry Stotts, three, Doc Rivers, four, Adrian Griffin, if I was Milwaukee. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, Terry Stotts would be my first choice. And Coach Bud, I, I do respect Coach Bud, but bottom line is the Bucks are playing for conference final success and final success and adjustments matter. And coaching at that level, I don't think is, is Coach Bud's specialty. I think his structure was obviously underappreciated the last several years in Milwaukee, but... Ultimately, I think he had sort of lost the locker room with Giannis and particularly at the end of that heat series, Giannis was ready to move on from Coach Bud. And so going back to Coach Bud, as hilarious as that would be, is not the direction I would go. Look, I'm just rooting for reunions at 24. I want Bruce (laughs) Brown back to Denver. I want Coach Bud back to Milwaukee. Let's all agree that, you know, they lost the plot in last year's playoffs and give it another go. Do you think Doc Rivers could really work here? I mean, let's put aside the Terry Stotts hypothetical because... I think he actually would have been getting criticized similar to how Adrian Griffin was because he has always been a guy who coaches elite offenses and bad defenses in Portland. That was his whole thing. And so he might have been able to get them even better on offense, but would they be still a below average defense with Stotts as the coach? There's a strong argument based on the evidence of what he cares about and what he's been good at over the last 10 years that he would have, you know, kind of produced similar results, although maybe enjoyed better relationships with the players because he's a, a pretty friendly and savvy and smart guy as well. But let's just boil it down. A thumbs up, thumbs down on Doc Rivers. If you're there, uh, you know, in the boardroom, this is the mm. Cipollone standard moment. Can you go along with the Doc Rivers hiring if you're one of these Bucks executives, 
Or do you, you know, smack the table and say, guys, we can't do this. We're trying to win a championship. This is not the guy to do it. This is not 2008 Boston anymore, right? I mean, what do you think? Well, I don't think he is flip the table bad as a coach. My reluctance would be committing to him for next season in in part because, again, this is a two-year thing. So it's this year and next year. And if you're hiring Doc after firing Griffin now you're basically like whoever you hire you're committed to for not only this season but next season because you want to give them a full year and so i i would be reluctant to make that call and, and with doc i mean to go back to the Embiid conversation at the very beginning it's hard not to factor in nick nurse to some of what we're seeing in philadelphia this year where i am less of an expert in terms of like offensive schematics but it does seem like he has just made the game simpler and the sp- the spacing just works much better in Philadelphia this year. And I mean, every Bucks fan on earth would love to go back to June and say, all right, let's just hire Nick Nurse. Let's not make this hard on ourselves. Uh, and they would be in much better shape right now. And Doc, I mean, he's been coaching high profile teams for 20 years and I still have no idea whether he's a good coach. And so I, I don't want to be too down on the hire, but it also says something that he's been like this central figure and nobody is like, oh my gosh, what a home run that Milwaukee is bringing in Doc Rivers to help them land the plane no. this year because we've seen up. it over and over again. We've seen him underperform. His teams, these veteran teams that he's supposed to put over the top He's generally not the the missing piece to the puzzle. Well, this is not only a Milwaukee-specific thing. I think he was available to be hired last summer, right? Like, he got let go pretty early in the process. A lot of teams changed coaches. Did we get a single report about a team was, like, interviewing Doc or interested in bringing Doc? I, like, I feel like he went straight to the broadcasting booth, you know, as yeah. all these teams were playing musical chairs. So that part makes me a little concerned, too. Um I do get the idea that he would bring some level of comfort factor. You know, like if you're an owner, and they've changed their ownership group up a little bit, Doc is going to win that interview. Doc is going to win that, you know, sit down uh, process. Like he is going to charm people. He is going to tell stories that, you know, of all the great players that he's coached. He's going to hype up Giannis and say, look, this guy can be even better than he is. He should be the MVP this year. Like he's going to know exactly what buttons to push. But I do think you have to kind of see through some of it and say, all right, well, what do the results say? Um, You know, he had some good moments in Philly, but when he got to tricky playoff moments like Clippers losing, uh, you know, the 3-1 lead in the bubble or Philadelphia, you know, choking game seven against Trey Young, his confidence went. His mm-hmm. confidence was shot. And like, I think that I could sense it as a reporter being there for game seven against the Hawks before the game. And I put this in my story. Doc did not sound like he believed they were going to win that game. They're at home with Embiid yep. in a game seven. Like he he was kind of choking in that moment. And a similar deal in uh, the bubble where he just could not explain how he lost his team, how they lost their faith. And that's what would scare me if I was a Milwaukee Bucks owner or coach or uh, you know player or front office, whatever. Like I would just be a little bit nervous. Like, is this the guy that we're really going to battle with? And you know, you, you mentioned the Embiid comparison, and I wanted to bring that back too because we were describing what does this regular season basketball look like versus what does playoff basketball look like. 
the Bucks have been playing an awful lot of 140-130 games this year. And mm-hmm. that is why I haven't given them as much credence as some others because we know that's not what the playoffs are going to look like, right? If you're taking elite offense in Milwaukee versus elite defense in Boston – in a playoff series, I'm going to side with the elite defense because typically that's what wins. You know, when, when Milwaukee's defense was performing at its apex in past years, that's what the championship year, that's when they won it, right? Like, you know, you're not going to just be blitzing Boston off the court 140, 130 in playoff games, you know, four times to win a series. It's not how it's going to be. So they need to improve their uh, defensive ceiling dramatically. I'm not sure a coaching change does that. And, and this is really going to, I think, after you make this move, it's really going to highlight Damian Lillard, and it's really going to highlight what can the front office do in terms of shoring up the perimeter defense to get them to a position where you know we really have to take them seriously as one of the best threats in the league to win the championship, right? Because you can't change coaches twice in the season. <laughs> you can't <Yeah>. fire another <laughs> coach if the, if the defense still sucks. So uh, you know it's going to be on Lillard to step up his energy, his effectiveness. We'll see if he could do it, um, and you know it's going to be on everybody else hopefully to buy into the new voice. And I, I think that's part of the reason why they're doing all these track meets because they're just out there jogging because they don't believe in the guy. Yeah. Well, it, it will be interesting if it's doc. I mean, the doc thing is rumored uh, pretty heavily right now, but is not set in stone. I think the one thing you could say for doc there's no coach on earth who's better in a meeting with a front office and an right. ownership group than Doc Rivers because the the Clippers collapse was so bad and he came right out of that and talked his way into five years and $40 million with the 76ers. That might have been a, an offseason and it was a three-week offseason because it was the bubble. But if I were an owner, I'd say, let's take a beat before we commit five years and $40 million to Doc Rivers based on what I just watched with the Clippers. Well, but I think to- if I'm ranking charisma in the NBA of any p- people I've talked to, Magic 1, Barkley 2, Doc 3. I think Doc's third in terms of pure charisma. Absolutely. And I really like him. And look, this is setting up for a potential revenge run through the East for Doc Rivers. There's certainly a good shot at matching up with the 76ers on the other side of a playoff oh, series yeah. somewhere along well, the line. So that would be fun. I'd rather go to war with the nurse than the doc on this one. I'll tell you that. And wasn't that one of Milwaukee's <laughs> oh, choices? God. Yeah. No, wasn't that one of Milwaukee's choices last summer, though? I mean, yes. didn't they at least? Yeah. So. That sounds like an L to me as well. You know, even if they're bringing in Doc after all this, man, feels like a missed opportunity there. We shall see. Uh, look, we said at the top, a lot of news to wrap our arms around on this episode. Yeah. We didn't so even talk does, about Terry Rozier, do, Carl Towns. I don't know. Well, how does Tristan Thompson missing the next three months impact <laughs> yeah. the standings in the Eastern Conference? Do you That's have wild. some extra time here? Let's let's stretch this out for another hour to talk Tristan. Um, so no, what do you want to talk about? Well, I want your like one minute, two minute breakdown on Terry Rozier. Does this move the needle for Miami? Does this put them up maybe, uh, whether it's as a regular season tier or do you take them more seriously pushing uh, into the playoffs? I felt like that he just got given away by Charlotte. Yeah. Yes, he's got multiple years on his contract, but it's not a horrible contract. This is a productive player. This is a guy who needs structure. This is a guy who needs to prove that he can play well with others and kind of balance his own scoring with the team concept, but he should come in motivated after just wasting years of his life in Charlotte, you know, to no end. Like what was the point mm-hmm. of the last few years of, of Terry Rogier other than getting paid? Um, but Lowry to me has been done for multiple years. Rogier is a talented player. He has got a bulldog personality that I think is going to fit pretty well with their general style. 
you know, he's obviously not a star, but they kind of just gave him away. That's a good pickup by Miami, isn't it? Yeah. No, I, I like the deal a lot for the Heat in large part because I missed having Scary Terry involved in high-stakes basketball. That was like the the sweet spot for Celtics fan Sharp was Scary Terry and the run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Loved that squad. Um, I also think for Miami, it's a smarter investment than overpaying for DeJounte Murray, which is what was rumored for a couple weeks there. DeJounte was in Miami. He Instagrammed the jerseys in the rafters, and I was like, man, I hope they don't go that direction. Um, I, I just am not at all a DeJounte believer. His numbers this year are great. His shooting percentages are also pretty impressive. At the end of the day, I think he's a fake good shooter, a fake good defender. And to be 100% honest, I have not trusted DeJounte Murray since the incident with Paolo Bancaro at the Zeke oh. end in Tacoma, Washington, where he was just a huge weirdo for several days related to Paolo. So I'm just out on that guy. I'm out on giving multiple firsts for him and trying to go win a title with him. He's sort of like... DeRozan-ish, where he's pretty good, but I'm not sure how you fit someone like that into a championship nucleus, just given the the way his game fits into an offense. Um, and so alongside that option, I love Terry Rozier for a protected 2027 first and the flexibility to potentially add, whether it's this year or this summer, more pieces to this nucleus as they try to extend the window over the next couple of years here. I think it makes a lot of sense and um, it makes me more excited about Miami for the next couple of months, certainly because Kyle Lowry, I mean, the fact that they were able to get like a pretty good stretch of playoff basketball from Kyle Lowry last season is still a little bit mind boggling to me. So credit to both Lowry and the heat. Uh, well, but this makes a lot more sense moving forward. And credit the Eastern Conference quality of competition. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> well, I, that, I guess so. Not Celtics sure how much laying he was down do- for everybody, sure. And not sure how much he was doing in the finals. Um, so, yeah, I agree with a lot of your takedown of DeJounte Murray. And, you know, relative pricing here, yeah, I would take uh, Rozier for one first-round pick versus really investing capital in, uh, in DeJounte Murray. The only thing I would add on Murray, on the defensive side, you called him a fake good defender. It's a reminder of our favorite concept, acreage, right? Like you take a player like Drew Holiday, that guy is thick. He can guard Mm. threes and fours in the post. He can make life difficult. He's not going to give up room. You can try to pick on him with your bigs. You can try to back him down, but it's going to be a fool's errand for most threes and fours trying to score in the post on Drew Holiday with Murray, no acreage, right? He's got the length, so he's a very disruptive perimeter defender, but you know he's not going to be able to give you the same value in terms of multi-position defending because you can't really trust him against big wings, threes, and fours. Like That's not really going to be his uh, bread and butter. So um, yeah, I think that both Trey Young and Murray, given how poorly their marriage has gone in Atlanta, actually makes me think less of both of them, right? Like, yeah. I don't feel like there's a winner. It's kind of been mutually assured destruction where they've, like, ruined their each of their trade values individually, in my eyes, by being less than the sum of their parts. So um, I, that might be the best argument for why you would trade for DeJounte. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, Trey's been dragging him down. That'd be the best argument why you would trade for Trey. Well, DeJounte, it was a bad fit. He's been dragging <laughs> him down. But um, I don't know. I, it's not very compelling well, if that's the best you can come up with. 
Yeah, and, and keeping with the theme of homecomings today, maybe the Spurs, a homecoming for the Hawks no, picks. No, Just no. send them right back to Atlanta and undo the DeJounte trade, except now you're getting Trey Young back instead of DeJounte oh, Murray. Um, would you do that, that? Really? I, uh, I, I told you I really wouldn't. I mean, I would think about it, but I wouldn't do it. What, what, what about you? If you're just desperate for a Wemby point guard, is Trey the guy? Um, It's tough. I think you look at those picks, the likelihood that any one of those Hawks picks turns into a player as good as Trey Young is a, a very much a long shot. You also look at what San Antonio is going to do with their cap space over the next three or four years. Are they going to sign anybody who's anywhere near as good as Trey Young? Probably LeBron. not. Um, yeah, maybe LeBron and Bronny is a package <laughs> deal. Sure. Um, I hope they at least secure the right to use their second round pick for Bronny as opposed to the top five pick that they have coming their way. But I, I think uh, based on that, it's a lower risk move. And it does. It seems like Trey is willing to play in San Antonio, which I was surprised by. So I saw a few of those reports and I was like, huh. And then I thought about it. I was like, I don't know if I hate this gamble as much as I would have guessed. Um, so as you talk it through, it's not the craziest thing in the world. And, and one of the things I like about it is it gives them somebody who can really initiate on the perimeter and takes that responsibility off of Wemby's plate. We're going to have to talk Wemby later in the week. I don't know if we're going to have time for it today, but I love Wemby as a big man more than Wemby on the perimeter trying to initiate offense. And so taking some of those responsibilities and just giving them to Trey uh, could be healthy long term, but it's still betting on Trey Young, which feels a little bit reckless given the last five years we've seen from him. Yeah, it does kind of feel like if Trey is okay, I don't know where those reports are coming from. So I don't, it's a speculation in my mind, but like, let's say that's true. Then that, I would read that as Trey knows everybody's onto him in Atlanta and like yeah. his style of play isn't actually going to drive a lot of success. You know, you can only shoot 42% of the time and average on threes, taking all these shots, pounding the ball, dominating the ball and playing no defense for so long before people kind of turn on you. And it feels like he doesn't necessarily have tons of haters in Atlanta. They've just tuned out, right? Like mm -hmm. he has created an apathetic reaction and that will not work in San Antonio because the fans won't tune out because they have nothing else going on. So I actually think there's real downside. Like Trey could get there. These oh, people who actually downside. Who, who really know basketball are watching Trey chuck up 30 footers as Wemby standing in the paint begging for the ball and it could get really ugly. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen. This is crazy. Back to the insane LeBron hypothetical. I love that idea so much more than trading all these draft picks to get Trey Young. So if these are their options, this is why they should make a modest investment in Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon take yeah, baby steps forward <laughs> and just, you know, avoid a major, major pitfall, right? That's fair. Um, all right. So the other major agenda item that we had on the docket, Carl Towns, 62 points. Oh, yeah. 21 of 35 from the field, eight rebounds, seven turnovers, plus minus of zero, uh, a loss. What did you think of the, the big night for Cat in Minneapolis? All right, and that is the end of the free preview. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode and get two episodes every week from me, Andrew Sharp, and Ben Golliver, you can go to greatestofalltalk.com and subscribe to the show.